Rational discussion, common sense, open debate. RCR, Reality Check Radio with Paul Brennan. All right, Dr. Guy David Hatchett is an international advocate of food safety and natural medicine. He received his undergraduate degree in logic and theoretical physics from the University of Sussex and his PhD in psychology from Maharishi University of Management, Fairfield, Iowa. He was formerly a senior manager at Genetic ID, a global food safety testing and certification laboratory. His published work uses the statistical methods of the physical sciences to analyse social data, He's lectured and advised governments and countries around the world on health and education initiatives. His book, Your DNA Diet, examines the role of genetic information in nutrition and investigates safety issues in medical settings. He's a pioneer of research on consciousness as a field phenomenon and has presented papers on the benefits of meditation to improve health outcomes and quality of life. He lives in New Zealand. And, of course, he publishes The Hatchet Report, and that's how I got to know that uh, Dr. Guy David Hatchet was out there because he would send uh, those uh, report summaries to my email inbox when I was at the other platform. And I found his reading really fascinating as he analysed the data, the incoming data as it developed regarding COVID-19, the uh, effects of the illness, the pandemic, and, of course, um, the vaccination program and the fallout, the consequences and fallout from it. Great to be here, Paul. Okay, look, trying to work out where to start is really difficult because this it's like an iceberg. There's the bit sticking up on top of the water, which is today, but underneath there's this huge, huge, well, too many invisible mass of how we've got here. Um, I want to talk about your latest um, piece. Uh, we're talking about the stats and Ashley Bloomfield and um, the death rate and all of that. But uh, you've been very active and and vocal to anyone who would listen. And I listened. I received your your posts, your releases, your updates. So, can you give us a everything you know, a big picture of where we are right now at the end of March, twenty twenty three. And almost like a quick report card. I'm, I'm taking it. It's not a pass, right? It's not a pass. <laughs> We're in the soup. Uh, we're, we have increasing excess mortality. We, in 2020, it was very low because we had lockdown, so we didn't have any flu. And, uh, you know, we had a good report card in 2020. We didn't have any COVID. 2021, we had COVID vaccination. Again, we didn't have any COVID. We had lockdowns, uh, track and tracing, and so on. And uh, what happened was that our mortality, our death rate, rose as the number of doses of vaccine, vaccine, COVID vaccine rose. And then 2022, we saw that in every week, actually, uh, mortality had increased. And then 2023, it's accelerated. It's now up about 17%. So there's several thousand deaths, extra deaths involved that we wouldn't have predicted. And then we have information now as to what is happening in the hospitals. The hospitals are overwhelmed and the, the uh, a freedom of information request has just revealed that in 2021, as the vaccine was rolled out before we had COVID, we had a doubling of disease in several key cater- categories. So acute kidney injury, acute liver injury, myo and pericarditis, thrombosis. Uh, so 12 actual categories. We saw this huge, unprecedented increase. So we have record all-cause deaths, we have record hospitalizations, and a lot of studies now are connecting vaccination to a reduction in our the functioning of our immune system. And you have to realize that the vaccine actually is designed to alter our immune function. It's designed to redirect cellular activity to undertake new novel tasks and the tasks it has to do is 
it reproduces the spike protein, which is toxic. And mm. I mean, just this last week, for example, there have been uh, this work going on now, a lot of conversations taking place uh, w- between scientists over the contamination of vaccine back, uh, batches with um, circular DNA plasmids, which can integrate into the DNA and cause some of the deleterious effects of the vaccine to become permanent. So there's there are a lot of conversations going on all over the world now, uh, and a lot of serious scientists, hundreds in fact, who are raising questions, and they're not getting answered. People are afraid to to answer these questions. They're not the, the whole thing isn't getting a public airing, especially here in New Zealand, where as yeah. we just said. <laughs> yeah. So so and uh, the um the, the guy we're kind of talking about here has now he has a knighthood and a pretty good job, well paid going forward. So he's been rewarded um, for his work in this. I saw a figure out of Australia, and I don't know if it's real because it looks so big. I thought this can't be true. That excess deaths are up over five thousand percent. Is that a realistic number, uh, or is that is- I guess people are throwing around all sorts of figures. Um, I, I think what's an issue here is, um, y- y- yeah, you, you have to always refer back to published research. That's one of the hmm. that's one of the things that drives us at Hatchard Report. We always want a reference to put in learned journals that what we're talking about. So someone is saying five thousand percent increase in excess deaths in Australia. I'm. I would be a bit very suspicious of that. Yeah, it's a big, with, huge number, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a big number, and and you need to know five thousand percent more than what? Yeah, yeah, no, I take uh, your point. Was it more than last week, or was it more than last year, or was it more than the last ten years? And so, what are we talking about here? We you have to be very careful with numbers because that's one way the government has manipulated us because we're not mathematically competent uh, as a statistically sophisticated. We're not like that in the in the general public. I think the government has pulled the wool over our eyes, and when we see the government bulletins, we're not seeing them seeing them referencing science. We're not. And seeing how do they them. how do they get away with that then? Because that's that's one hundred and one stuff, isn't it? And that's a tell uh, in of itself that something's um, something's up. Yet there's very little mainstream questioning of that obvious point fact. Yeah, and and uh, there are a lot of published studies. You know, there are millions actually, well over a million study it, it studies on COVID now. And there's a very sophisticated technique called meta-analysis, which is now coming into play. Meta-analysis is where you take one particular topic and you analyze the results of all the papers published on that topic, and then you find out what the consensus is. So the Lancet just last month uh, did a meta published a meta-analysis of 65 studies on natural immunity versus immunity from vaccination. And that clearly revealed that the best option is natural immunity. Whereas back in 2022 or 2021, late 21, the government actually labeled natural immunity from COVID as a conspiracy theory. So you, <laughs> you're, you know, everything is changing now, but you don't read about that. You don't see anybody, any responsible journalist saying, um, oh, by the way, all that stuff we wrote about natural immunity a couple of years ago, um, well, there's this new study and we were wrong. You, you don't see that. You don't see anybody really in the public eye admitting that they're wrong. You see them sort of beating the drum, doubling down, and now we're expect we're all expected to take another um, uh, vaccine, the, the bivalent vaccine. Uh, anybody over the age thirty, and if you think you're under thirty and you escape, think again. If you go to Tifatu uh, Order um, Twitter page. You can see a discussion there where um, concerned under 30s who are saying they're missing out are writing in and saying, will we be able to get it? And Tefata Ora Ora replies, yes, we're working on it. You know, it's a priority for us that you should be able to get it. (laughs) So, (laughs) and 
I, I, and what value is there for this vaccine for under 30s? I mean, in many countries, they, they've stopped giving it to under 50s mm. uh, yeah. because it's naturally harmful. It, it, it's, but they know but, that. They they surely know that. This is the thing. Uh, you'd have to... Uh, You'd, you'd have to be, I don't know, um, have some sort of derangement not to know that and not to apply that. Um, they keep digging the hole. Why do you think that? Well, is? I think they're going round and round, aren't they? Uh, I, I often think of the bee, beehive. They're going round and round. <laughs> and yeah. they're, they're, they have copywriters. You know, they have a whole army of people who rely on COVID for their uh, daily bread and butter. And uh, they're still doing the same thing that they were doing two years ago, and they're still being paid for it. And somehow or other, the government has got a level as, uh, of incompetence where it can't change track. There are do, do you think it's incompetence, though? I mean, I'm suspicious of that because I don't think you can be that serially incompetent that many times in a row for that long without someone waking up and saying, oh, maybe we're incompetent. That hasn't happened. Indeed. The prime minister is now the um, COVID nineteen response minister. He was back in the day. He's now the prime minister, and he's rating okay. So, I'm scratching my head. Well, I think a lot of people are scratching their head. I, I do, uh, aside from the Hatchard Report. dot com, I do also uh, run Globe. Global, and in at Globe. Global, we look at technical issues in biotechnology, and I think there are really good grounds. For uh, suspecting that the COVID vaccine actually interferes with the way uh, consciousness works, the way our intelligence functions—that's a very good point. I'm glad you brought that up. I've I've heard many people say that, and I've wondered it myself with people around around me. Some of the behaviour. So, thanks for raising that. Carry on. Sorry to interrupt. Well, I think uh, it's you know life begins with one cell. Uh, a single cell, and the cell has three parts. It has the DNA, it has the mel- membrane surrounding it, and it has the cytoplasm. And the, the cytoplasm contains the RNA, and it, it's hugely complex. So life begins with one cell. There are actually 100 trillion atoms in a single cell, uh, 42 million proteins, enormously complex. So these simplified ideas that we're given. Now that cell divides and it, it retains its identity. And in fact, it builds a di- an identity. It's this curious property of cells that there are, what do we have? 37 trillion cells, and yet we have a single identity. You and I both yes. have our own individual identity, which is rooted in the cell, how we think, how we perform, and, everything and comes back to that cell. And it's copied, usually very reliably, each time over just incredible massive copies. It is. And, and every day, in every cell, there are 70,000 uh, corrections that are made to maintain the integrity of that information that's there. So every single cell in the body is totally correcting itself, making sure it's on track. But this collective activity is giving rise to all our higher functions, our morality, our intelligence, our decision-making. And that's an area that's completely not understood. And you you, you think that there's some, it's possible that there's some sort of effect from this, which is... um, on mass because of the number who've taken it. And we're seeing what a, a, a deterioration or a change in cognitive abilities or emotional responses or, or all, all of the, ability. we may very well be seeing that and it should be the subject of uh, research. And uh, where the, the principal thing here is that, that these RNA vaccines, mRNA vaccines, they set about, altering the way the cell worked without Mm. understanding how the cell produces consciousness. So they, it's really uh, like a bull in a China shop. You let loose something, some powerful genetic information in us in an enormously complex system. And you're really not sure what's going to be the final outcome of this. And, And in fact, 
you know, I have several colleagues in uh, in gene therapy, and they were right from the get go. They were saying, "Wow, we don't want to be doing this. This is hmm. you know, we, we, these are people who've been for thirty years working to try and uh, cure genetic diseases like cystic fibrosis." Um, and and still, after all that time, not having got a result, knowing that when you change one thing, then something else goes wrong over here, and you know, very um, cautious. And then suddenly, you get this commercial uh, pharmaceutical organization, which takes some of their ideas and gives it to everyone in the world, and they were appalled absolutely appalled that this uh this risk was being taken but on the other hand they're also saying but don't use my name <laughs> because they lose yeah. their job well that's the problem isn't it uh the pushback is um well, i suppose it's starting to to gather more pace but it, it it has been stalled for quite a long time for that very reason and it's almost like and i'm sounding like a stuck record because i go on about this all the time it's almost like that um, catching people in that trap was anticipated as part of the strategy to get this in as many arms as possible. They sort of figured that out in advance. Well, there's a lot of money involved, isn't there? <laughs> Follow the money. There's an enormous amount of money involved. And we we should have been suspicious here in New Zealand. Yeah. And we, we weren't. We, <laughs> We we were sold it um, pretty well, and it wasn't hard for for the sales job. Now you mentioned um, you know the rise in uh, in excess deaths and everything, and I don't know how specifically you want to get into conditions, but certainly the hospitals, if this is a thing, as I keep saying, and I'm I'm pretty sure it is a thing now. That uh, and we've heard stories. There's the uh, heart um, uh, operation issues in Waikato. We hear that. Uh, that the staff uh, stretched in virtually virtually every hospital, though that never seemed to be such a problem not too long ago. It's only recent, so there's got to be some connection. Uh, do we understand what's happening, actually happening in the hospitals? And again, this sort of cone of silence that's around talking about any of this, admitting to any of it, um, calling it for what it is. What, what do you hear back channel, let's say? Well, you, you do hear, uh, you know, my position, because I write a blog, I, I do get people uh, writing and uh, and uh, sort of blowing the whistle. And, um, you, you know, you it, it, this was, yeah, before we, it was admitted that myopericarditis were an issue, heart inflammation, then, you, you know, nurses were saying, you know, look, the cardiac wards are overwhelmed. No one's talking about it. Um so yeah, we are getting feedback, and um, now we have concrete evidence. Now the the figures that were released under Freedom of Information, showing a doubling of hospital admissions in certain categories. Now that was twelve out of a total of thirty seven categories. We don't have the data on uh, cancer yet, but in the UK, top oncologists are uh, blowing the whistle, just like uh, Asim Moholtra, the cardiologist, blew the whistle on the uh, problems with uh, heart attacks and so on. So mm. now we're seeing oncologists saying there's been a blowout with cancer. We're, now we don't have those figures in New Zealand. And that's that's a long-term effect. That's uh, Cancers take a while to develop. But we are. But the suspicion is that there's some data in the U.S. too, is that sudden onset cancers are increasing and rare uh, and unusual cancers. And again, you have to realize, as, as we just said before, a, a cell undertakes seventy thousand corrections a day just to to make sure they're excluding cancer. So if you're teaching, as you are with uh, mRNA vaccines, a lot of cells to do something else, to look the other way, then the potential for cancers is huge. And uh, But we don't have the figures here yet. Yeah, that could be a sleeping giant, right? Um, because of the, the, the time involved. And again, 
And I see that this is happening in Christchurch at the moment, that there's really a death panel there of uh, of who lives and who dies, depending on the seriousness of the cancer and the availability of surgery at short notice. They're actually picking and choosing now. And I think that's, maybe they did that anyway, but that's the first I'd heard of them actually going to that level, which, what, what does that tell you, that they're short of surgeons or there's more cancer or both? What do you think? It tells you that there's a tragedy unfolding. Yeah, because right. it's the human, it's the human uh, tragedies that we're talking about. That that's that's the thing that that seems to have been bypassed. Is that uh, you know people have moved really into statistics. Yeah. Whereas in fact, that the real issue here is a human tragedy. Yeah. You know, apparently. Data from overseas is showing cancer is increasing. If it's happening here, we're not hearing about it. And the people who have the cancer, not necessarily being told what caused it. And yeah, yeah. we're being prepped to be an experiment. Oh. We, we're, there are more RNA vaccines in the pipeline. In fact, there are 117 different mRNA vaccines for a huge range of illnesses that are being developed in laboratories all over the world. And we're and the medical profession has decided, well, we're going to go ahead for this. There's going to be casualties, but this is our future. Take one for the team. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, there was a program on One News uh, last weekend where it was called The Gene Genie, where the presenter said, incredibly, here in New Zealand, um, we're uh, getting rid of all disease with just a snip of the DNA. And uh, what was the news story? The news story was that there's a phase one trial, phase one of a trial that's going to take years to try and uh, cure a genetic disease, amyloidosis, that affects about 60 New Zealanders. But the hype is huge. Yeah. And the presenter said to the doctor, um, Dr. Ed Gain, who's a liver specialist who's in charge of the prog- uh, uh, of this uh, experiment, he said, um, what do you think uh, that we should um, select genetic characteristics for height and intelligence? Mm-hmm. It's completely ignorant because you can't select genetic characteristics by heightened intelligence. There are 300,000 genes that are involved in how tall you become. And uh, actually, the best way to become tall is to drink more milk when you're young. Uh, And intelligence, they have absolutely no idea which genes affect intelligence. It's it's a kind of, um, you know... It, 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 it's a fairy tale, really, isn't it? It's a fairy yeah, yeah, tale. it's a complete fairy tale, absolutely. Yeah, um, th- there seems to be an element of wanting to play God here. It wasn't too long ago that um, I think it was Helen Clark nearly lost an election because there was some leak of um, of genetically modified um, material in crops or something. And it was a huge scandal, and people fell off their chairs and writhed around on the ground. How could this be? It was a scandal. But now it seems that people are willing through ignorance or just don't care or too hard to let themselves be genetically modified. It's weird. It's what's called gene essentialism, the belief that almost everything that happens in life is because of genes and that, uh, and along with that, you can therefore, you can alter the genes and you can live as long as you want, be free from disease and be as intelligent, as beautiful as uh, as you want to be. Good luck with that. Uh, fantasy. Yeah, yes, good luck with that. And the reason, the reason is it's a fantasy is because genes are multitasking. They do, every gene is involved in multiple systems and interacts with other genes. So it's a principle in gene editing that, Gene editing is inherently mutagenic. If you're going to correct one thing here, then over here, something is going to go wrong. So it's... Sorry, um, and you need some sort of supercomputer that hasn't even been invented yet because you're talking about the the number of, what, calculations, if we're thinking of them as sort of uh, tasks. 
that uh, what was it 70,000 corrections a day just in one cell 38 trillion cells they all have to work together as well the network together and uh, you know there's so much going on to think you could <laughs> to think you could ever work that out uh, and come you know uh, uh, on uh, and present it to people as if you did i mean it's again it's just total fantasy it's a, it's actually embarrassing isn't it it, it is embar- bar- embarrassing. And, um, y- you know, we sort of overestimate uh, technology. We think that there are technology solutions to everything. And it, what's being talked about a lot is sort of personalized genetic medicine. But it's impossibly expensive. You know how expensive these biotechnologists are. They're, you have to pay them an incredible amount of money. And you'll need each person will need, you know, probably a dozen or two dozen of them looking after you. Uh, and it, it, I mean, in any way, it's a Don Quixote thing. They're tilting at windmills. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, it, it's a fantasy. This whole, it, you know, it's come in. This gene age began in 1953 when DNA was discovered. But um, again, I come back to the cell. It's not the DNA, it's the whole cell. It's a three-in-one structure. It's the the nucleus with the genetic information, then the cytoplasm and the membrane. That's where life uh, begins. And mRNA is interfering with the cytoplasm. It's, it, it's not a hierarchy. DNA is not at the top of a cellular hierarchy because the RNA, the ribosomes that are needed to make the DNA express itself are also produced by the DNA. So it's a whole integrated system. It's a whole system. That's missed that you start to interfere with a whole system, then you're going to affect the whole organism. And that's the danger. And it, it, it's carefully curated, though. There, there are, this is a, you know, it's the top money spinner for universities, biotechnology, because they get grants, they get investment. So it's a lot riding on protecting this. All over the world, every continent of the world, there are high security labs being built, even as we speak, intending to do gain of function experiments. In the USA, if you want to get a deadly pathogen, you can simply get one by mail order. <laughs> even if you have, even if you don't have a secure lab, even if you're just Joe Blow in your so garage, you know, deadly in your garage, you want a deadly pathogen, you can ride off and get one. Uh, the whole thing is is so entirely dangerous. It's frightening. It, it and, frightening. And, yep. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was going to come back to your because, you know, in the face of all of that, you've got back to Ashley Bloomfield, Sir Ashley. Um, you say in your latest piece, he's not just reassuring us that he did a good job, but claiming to be the best in the world. That's always. It always sounds a bit lame when, I mean, obviously way more resourced countries than us, but apparently we're the best in the world. New Zealand has just finished a year with the highest excess mortality on record, you say, so it doesn't add up. And you, your question, and I guess more than just you, your question, why did Bloomfield fail to acknowledge the human cost and how is he getting away with it? Like you've kind of explained the uh, medical industrial uh, complex working there. He's obviously part of it. Do you think he's deluded, like seriously deluded? I think there are key, uh, Paul, I think there are key moments in life where you're faced with moral dilemmas or choices and how you decide, how you face that defines you going forward. And it makes you into something different. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of these uh people that we're worried about in the world today who are um, you know, challenging our notion of what's fair. They started out, you know, people like Gates or Larry Page started out trying to uh, develop solution, IT solutions for the world. And they had good intentions. 
Um, but one thing leads to another. And I think there are just key moments. And I think Ashley Bloomfield had those key moments. I, I mean, he wrote to me uh, when he was uh, director general of health on a couple of occasions. And uh, basically, I, I was asking, we really need to have more information to decide what's going on. And he wrote back and said, no, I, we don't need that. We're not going to mm -hmm. do that. And that that was, I think that was a key moment. I oh, think so he, he'd crossed possible. the line at that point is what you're saying. You could see that he crossed over. Yeah, and when you cross the line, I, I, I don't know what your experience is, but once you've um once you've decided to go into a into a particular direction it's it's somehow it's quite hard to change your mind you're all in you're all in yeah hmm. you you you've decided i'm going that way and it's actually difficult to do something that's wrong but once you've done it it's difficult to stop but it's it's better to to circuit break it earlier than later because the longer you go on with let's call it a lie and the, and the longer that people have to realize that this is it's either hurt them or multiple people that they know the the more of a tough situation you're going to find yourself in right yeah absolutely yeah no one thing leads to another and uh you know <laughs> I'm thinking of Napoleon going marching on Moscow. You know, it's sort of sounded like a good idea. Yeah, no, it sounded like a good idea. <laughs> yeah. But then it got awfully cold. Yeah. <laughs> and things yeah. went terribly wrong. I, and that's the situation we're in with these uh, COVID vaccines. Can Clearly, we... they don't work. They're not effective. I'm, uh, that's and... what I was going to ask you. So, some categorical, from your point of view, um uh things that we should know so the un so they don't work fundamentally we can say they don't work can we yeah absolutely i mean we've we've experienced that uh, it should be sort of common knowledge i think that we were told that you get the vaccine you wouldn't get covid well i think almost everybody who's had the vaccine has had covid by now so they don't work in the way we expect a vaccine to work. Yeah, well, there's, that's the other trick or sleight of hand, isn't it? Calling it a vaccine because that cues people in on what what they thought was a vaccine and they can almost visualise that working. You know, that's um, something from an, a, a dialed down bit of a, a natural virus out of some other creature or whatever, and they can sort of almost visualise the process um, and they've carried that over in their um, in their understanding of what this new type of vaccine not a vaccine is and that was a great sleight of hand wasn't it absolutely just simply the power of words call yeah. something a vaccine it's a vaccine and this was not anything like a vaccine not even close so it doesn't work it's not even a vaccine <laughs> boy we're not doing too well <laughs> we're running into the second thing the un the unvaccinated have a higher natural immunity that's a fact right yeah, it's a it's acknowledged by uh, this um, analysis of sixty five studies by the Lancet, which prestigious authoritative journal, and uh, we should have known that nine months ago anyway, because there was a study in Qatar, uh, which was a very sophisticated study, which uh, looked at the population there and found that the uh, unvaccinated had higher immunity after getting their first infection. What about this long COVID? Have you looked yeah. at that? Because I hear that being talked about quite a bit, and that <laughs> kind of seems to be, for me, listening to the way it's um, described and the way it's sort of used to explain things, that that's a, that's a um, convenient kind of side road to, I don't know, help people confirm in their own mind if they hadn't <laughs> You know, thought the other way that oh, that's that must be what that is. You know, but yeah, of course, yeah, that that'll be what that is. I've had COVID, and that's right. Apparently, there's this long COVID. That that's what I've got. Where, as I understand it, most people who have had COVID in New Zealand have had it post vaccination. So the water's already muddy. You can't tell. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, you just on have to go back. You just have to go back to 2021. There was no COVID in New Zealand. Virtually no, none, uh, absolutely virtually none, and uh, hospitalizations doubled. 
So the idea now in 2023 or 2022 that if anyone's sick, oh, it must be because COVID doesn't wash. I mean, it's, mm. it's plainly doesn't wash. It began before we had COVID. And long COVID, um, well, you know, COVID is a flu-like uh, disease and flu have long, long-term long symptoms. When you get a bad flu, you have long-term symptoms. We've all experienced that. Yeah, how long they last. Well, that's the question, yeah. yeah. How long do they last? And in what numbers, too, of people, right? Yeah. Yeah, hmm. it's... Uh, it's a subject of ongoing research. Again, hundreds of studies, and uh, there, you know, lots of different conclusions. You have to look carefully at it. And of course, someone who is suffering um, was it because of the vaccine? Was it because of COVID? There, are, there are very, very simple ways to analyze the data to find out which of those is true. Another one: deaths rose in. <laughs> synchrony or synchronicity with the vaccine rollout. So we can categorically state that as as a fact now. Well, it did they did rise. Yep. Was there a causal relationship? That is uh that that is a question for reserve. <laughs> yeah, okay, but you know, what else could it be really? Uh, obviously it's the first consideration isn't it no no matter you know cause causality all that sort of those relationships it's pretty obvious isn't it <laughs> i don't mean to laugh well, yeah, I, I, I i do um it has to be done carefully that yep. you know my phd is in research and you you know if you're asserting something you have to have solid basis for doing so yeah, fair enough. And the government didn't do that research. So in the absence of that research, we can we can probably feel free to speculate a little more, though you need the numbers. I, I take your point. So excess oh, well, deaths... I, I, think, I think that there's corroborating evidence coming in now. Right. I, you have to look at the work in in uh, Edward Dowd, for example, who's yes, analyzed... Yes, following him, uh, yeah. Yeah, insurance data in the U.S., it's it funny that the market never lies in the end, does it? The no. numbers will always tell the story there, the money. Well, their whole business uh, plan in the insurance industry is based on mortality data. And there is a huge increase in working age people dying. And it doesn't, uh, and it's affecting, it's predominantly affecting the, the vaccinated. So I think it's very clear. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't uh, bet against it being the vaccine. <laughs> no. Um, you say also, Sir Ashley, um, uh, reassuring everybody it would have been a lot worse if they hadn't taken the vaccine. How could he say that? <laughs> because he's got a good imagination and uh, he, he's <laughs> he, there's no way... Uh, that the Ministry of Health or Ashley Bloomfield is going to start publicly saying that the vaccine doesn't work and um, we're in deep trouble because if they did, they'd pretty soon be in court. Yeah, what about just shutting up? <coughs> Sorry? What about just Sorry. shutting up and keeping your mouth closed? I mean, uh, uh, the, to, to argue against that when there's so much doubt and so much information out there seems... seems um, a risky thing to do. Uh, you say the reverse is true. Uh, and we've also got the likes of um, Michael Baker and other characters who also seem to be sort of, you know, clinging tight to the narrative, let's say. Um, they must, Guy, they must know. Come on, man, they must know. Well, I've, I've had correspondence with Michael Baker. He's cut off his correspondence with me. But way back in uh, 2021, I was corresponding with Michael Baker. He was he began uh, sort of cautiously, but uh, gradually got into gear and became the sort of flagship for vaccination. But, Do you know uh, how much money these guys made from, from this work? Because, you know, people always say follow the money. And I know it's not directly related to your um, expertise, but must have thought about it. 
that um, when people sort of change the, the way their, their attitude, uh, like you've just described there with Michael Baker, if I picked up on what you said uh, correctly, uh, something has to influence that. And it is usually always follow the money. And there is a lot of money being thrown around. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not sure <laughs> how, how, how much that's true in New Zealand. Um, it, there's certainly prestige and there's certainly a presumption that vaccines must be good. Um, hmm. I have corresponded with, you know, other people who, yeah, privately, these are government advisors who privately say, um, yeah, there are problems, but um, in the end, they're going to get it right. So there's a there's a level of faith there. They're going to work it out. Um, oh, really? <laughs> New Zealand is a is a client of um, companies overseas. You know, I mean, we buy a lot of Toyota cars. Hmm. We have faith in Toyota. We buy a lot of vaccines. We have a faith in vaccines. We have for years. We don't make them here. And that faith has continued. But in this case, it's not justified. When do and you think... Should've... Sorry to jump in. Uh, when no. do you think that the handbrake's going to go on? Can you see a time... Uh, and we can have plenty more conversations about this as, as time goes on, believe me. But uh, I guess this is our first one, so there, there's a few general aspects to this. When do you think the handbrake will go on and what will force it? I, I'm picking that it's just the sheer number uh, that people see about them if it's not involving them personally. Uh, I've, I'm experiencing that now in my life, and I know other people are as well. At some point, it becomes a critical mess, doesn't it? Do you think? Yeah, I'd like to think you were true. Um, I mean, certainly handbrake is going on in, in as much as far few people are coming forward to get these boosters. But they're still promoting them. They're, they're promoting the new one, the uh, bio, I can never pronounce it. Yeah. Booster, the, the one that was tested on eight rats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I mean, there's work now going on on the, um, the thing about vaccines is that the we sort of have faith in the exact processes of making pharmaceuticals. We expect uniformity in pharmaceuticals, but the very process by which in these um, fermentation vats that they make these vaccines is inherently very variable and it has contaminants in it. And not only does it have contaminants, but these contaminants are genetically active. So when you look at the profile of vaccine uh, batches, they, these are made in batches, um, they have very different uh, adverse effect profiles. Hmm. Um, some batches are um, don't have a lot, don't cause a lot of adverse effects. Other batches of these mRNA vaccines cause a lot of adverse effects and even deaths. And there are, you have a, a, a very uh, lively process going on in these in these vats, which is not easy to control. So you have, in some cases, levels of contamination of genetically active material that is not expected to be in there as high as 100 times uh, more than the um, maximum permitted amount of contamination. Oh, so again, this is a technical yeah. area where, again, we're not being told about this. Doctors are not being told about this. They expect uniformity. We're not getting uniformity. I was just thinking as you were explaining all that, I know why we like Toyotas now, because they're all exactly the same, reliably. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah, we and we, it's very very reasonable to trust the, uh, the Toyota as a brand. Because you look at the statistics and they they don't go wrong anywhere near as much. I, I used to own one when I was working for Genetic ID in the US. I owned a Toyota Previa that had 500,000 miles, not kilometers, 500,000 mm, miles. Wow. Yeah. When I left uh, the US to come back here, uh, I sold it to uh, a friend of ours. Uh, they used it for seven years after that. <laughs> it's like two, two or three round trips to the moon. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, Guy, the weekend just gone, the bivalent, I don't even like that word, by the way. I'm, I'm growing to hate that word. It's 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 a word I add to the list of words I hate. Bivalent, um, what is it, vaccine or, or booster has gone out. The prime minister and the health minister went to Upper Hutt and, um, and we saw them doing it on video, though I wonder if they actually did do that because I made the point yesterday morning that if you were to have a severe adverse reaction from that on camera playing on the news, it's probably not going to do your political career any good. So I question that. But anyway, they've taken it. Asim Malhotra was on this program last Thursday saying, don't do it. Do not do it. Do not do it. Like warning, warning, danger, danger. Bridges washed out. Stop there. Yet they went ahead with it. So uh, your thoughts on that, Guy? Well, uh, it, it doesn't work. And it's risky. Each vaccine that you take, each additional COVID vaccine increases your risk greatly. Um, in France, uh, the, there are some statistics that note that uh, there's been a threefold increase in deaths uh, compared to the number of deaths after the uh, regular shots and boosters. So as you go on taking these COVID vaccines, then your risk increases. And uh, Paul Offit, uh, who is an advisor to the U.S. government, uh, dis describes it. He's a very prestigious man, by the way, writing in the New England Journal of Medicine. He describes the bivalent vaccine as a failure. Uh, and there are reasons for that. I mean, it's designed to affect the BA4 uh, and the BA5 strains of COVID, uh, which are just not circulating at the moment. There are other strains of, of COVID that are circulating. So uh, why do it? I, Helen Petrus Harris said that she wasn't going to get it. Oh, so she's been teaching other people to get it, but she herself was said I wasn't going to get it. She didn't see any benefit for herself. So, uh, yeah, what's going on here? I mean, there's a lot of people on Twitter saying uh, that uh, governments have bought these vaccines and they don't want to waste them. So uh, they're encouraging people to take them, but they don't work. But that's so reckless, isn't it? I, I mean, we can laugh about it, but at, at the core of that is a recklessness that just blows my mind, to be frank. It's uh, it's hard to understand. Actually, we, we think that we're in a rational discussion about uh, COVID vaccines, the risks, but we're clearly not in a rational discussion. There's something else going on here. I, I'm increasingly ask, asking the question, are people really being damaged psychologically? By that would include vaccines? the prime minister then. Absolutely. Well, I, I mean, there are a number of factors here. Obviously, uh, you know, lockdowns damage people psychologically. Um, so there are multiple factors in play here. And, and not the least of these is the fact that some vaccine uh, batches are really deadly and others are no more deadly than the flu. And, and that's because of the way that the vaccine is manufactured, which uh, in some cases causes a lot of contamination and in other cases doesn't. Uh, so there, you know, there's a lot to look at here, but you, but you have to wonder, basically, uh, why is this a juggernaut that, that just won't stop? And, and I, I saw the Prime Minister and the Health Minister in the news footage, not that I go and seek it out, it sort of came to me, and they seem to be so straight up and um, and believing of what they were saying, yet how could they be? Uh, I mean, they must know. They don't that read the science. They don't read the science. I mean, you know, papers, these giant omnibus papers that go in front of Parliament, you know, some of them have four or 500 pages. MPs don't reach all that stuff. Yeah, but a prime minister would worry about his political career being over and out if any blame for deaths and 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 Lord knows what else was sheeted back to him. He must be aware of this to the point well, where he protects his own life. 
It, it would be if if we consider that the whole what we're involved in is a rational process. It doesn't seem to me it is. I, I mean, I'm looking at the research and all over the world, this mass of research now documenting the the dangers of of COVID vaccines. Uh, but I'm not seeing a rational response to this, and uh, it's, uh, like you, I'm I'm actually continually puzzled by it. But at the same time, I'm coming round to the view, and that there are technical reasons for for my view. Uh, I mean, technical scientific reasons for my view is that medicines do affect psychology, and COVID vaccines get right into the middle of the cell. And consciousness and physiology, they're two sides of one coin. We're not going to get away without psychological damage. It, you know, that that's one thing that medicines do. And in fact, there's recent research on mice, which, which shows that gene editing can actually uh, cause psychological tra trauma I'm talking about here. Is this what's at the core of a gene editing? Because you just used that term. Gene edit, yeah, gene editing, G gene editing, or we're, we're mRNA vaccines. We're not talking about gene editing, actually. We're talking about the whole cell and the way the genome expresses itself. So that's part and parcel of a whole process. You have to look at the cell as a whole, and by altering the way in which the genome expresses itself. You're altering the way in which the cell functions. You're altering the way in which the whole physiology functions. Okay, so if psychology is affected, mental function is affected, let's just say something has to explain the um, the blind spot, the willful blindness, then for those of us who are not in that situation and are worried about where it could take us, um, we should be demanding from our power elite who is and who isn't because we need to know don't we who are the ones who aren't fit for for operating I think, normally i think we, i think the public have uh, you know quite a clear idea about who's not fit for office we need to, <laughs> no who's we, taken it and who hasn't oh who's taken it and who hasn't i don't know whether we'll ever uh, know the answer no to but that we maybe question. should be able to demand that because it actually is material to our quality of life yeah, yeah, but nobody's going to tell us that. I mean, there's a rumor circulating in. Well, it's more than a rumor, I think. In in uh, one of the French MPs is saying that they Macron. found out that Macron never had the vaccine. So, yeah. and he's, he's one of the great champions of vaccination. So, uh, I, you know, there's a lot of information that we're probably never going to know, and that's a scandal in itself. It, so, it's, do, you, do you think our our two um, senior government officials, prime minister and health minister actually took that vaccine. Do you think they actually took it like the real thing? I, I'm, you, you know, I, I, I just don't have an opinion on that. No. I, don't, I don't, you've got to have some data to take a decision about a question like that. Don't you and I, well, well you I just don't, don't want to collapse on TV and ruin your political career in front of the nation. Do you? <laughs> I just don't know. Okay. I, I can't. I, I mean, all this is hard to imagine, isn't it? But it wasn't for, as you say, a very, very serious um, situation, really, that we've had. We're sort of getting into a field of medicine where the medicine is known to make you sick, but still they're promoting it. And it's, that that's I, I, yeah, that's horrible, really. I, I mean, you look at things like uh, as you know, there's this new weight loss job, uh, drug Ozempic, and you take it and you um, lose weight. And how does it lose weight? Well, when you fall ill, you lose weight. Ozempic, it, it <laughs> makes you ill. It, it's definitely carcinogenic, strongly carcinogenic, and also has a high probability of blocking your intestinal uh, tract, which can be fatal. But, it, you know, it's the drug of choice for people who want to stay slim, in, especially in the world of, apparently, in the world of Hollywood and so on. Um, but this is a drug that's put on the market knowing that it's going to make you sick uh, and a, even seeking to make you sick. And that, would, that's, yeah. that's where we're at. We wouldn't tolerate a car that's, you know, um, 
you know, half, half the time you're driving the steering fails. No. Will yeah, we? but that, no, we wouldn't. But this isn't the car. It's a, no, but, you know, it, same result. It's a vaccine. It's a vaccine, for goodness yeah. sake. Vaccines are wonderful. They're the worst, th- the best thing since white bread. That was uh, absolutely the deliberate choice uh, to call it a vaccine, even though it wasn't oh, a vaccine. Yeah. No, I think I, I made that analogy because you mentioned the quality of the product. That yes. Some, some batches are, are made in a, in a very bad way production-wise, others not so much. We wouldn't tolerate that with any other product. There'd be safety recalls and 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 everyone would go crazy. Well, we wouldn't to- tolerate it. I mean, uh, pre-pandemic, it wouldn't be tolerated. It would be pulled. It would have been pulled within days of the rollout because – Pre-pandemic, the rule with new medicines was if people started dying, you you paused the rollout <laughs> and you started to investigate what they died of, was it connected, and so on. Uh, none of that happened with the pandemic. It was all ab- abandoned, basically. And it, now it's coming to light that there's correspondence between some of the main proponents in the U.S., where they, they're saying to each other, for God's sake, don't tell anyone that this is happening. So it was known very early on that this was dangerous. But there was the, there was a huge amount of money riding on this. There was a huge amount of kudos and, um, you know, professional kudos um, and political capital riding on this vaccine rollout and all of that combined together meant that the public were never informed what was really going on and what the risks were yeah it's uh, it's mind-blowing to me it really is and and people are lining up for it they want it give it to me they're saying come on when can i get it so well less, real... and less, people, less and less people yeah oh that, well, that, that's a that's a point then how how much less do you think um compared to i guess at the height of it what sort of resistance, what do they call it, um, vaccine resistance is there now, do you think? Is there any way of measuring we 90, it? We had 90 plus for the for the two shots. Um, now we're, we're somewhere around 70 um, plus for the booster, and I, I'm sure it's going to be a whole lot less for the bivalent booster. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean it's interesting. We were we were sold um, the the whole public here was sold very uh, strongly, and uh, it was pushed upon the public. If you go to the US, the take up among uh, school aged children is actually very very low. Um, we we don't have that. We have almost universal take up among school aged children, and the reason is is that. Uh, kids will stop doing the things that they like unless they did have the vaccine. So kids were coerced into getting it. And no one was, thought to say no. No, and, and now we're seeing, you know, as 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 you analyze and, and parcel up this data, you, you're seeing increasingly concerning data. I mean, for naught to nine-year-olds, um, they are 40 times more likely to be hospitalized with COVID if they're vaccinated than if they're unvaccinated. So you're seeing statistics like this, which are frankly frightening, which the government is clearly not tabulating or considering. It's a runaway train. It's a train wreck that we're 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 witnessing. And it, yeah, you have to think when you look at uh, Prime Minister smiling, it, it's a vacant smile it's a meaningless smile yeah. when it comes to the yeah. issue of covid because clearly um everything is engineered so there's no public debate if he if he had to actually stand in public and answer serious questions about the covid vaccine he wouldn't have any answers it would be a, pol- a political disaster i think it'd him. be a dangerous moment from potentially actually yeah completely Completely. And this is science. Uh, you know, this is actually the serious science. This is ordinary. It's totally ordinary what we're talking about. We're not anti-vaxxers who are, um, you know, making up stories. We're just referencing ordinary published science, which is analyzing data, asking questions, finding answers. 
why is it the government suddenly casts adrift from that? And it's it's really suspicious. It, uh, it's 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 suspicious. You have to get to the bottom of that, and you have to ask yourself: Does the vaccine drill down to the interface between genetics and consciousness? Yeah, does a good it, question. Does, yeah. it, does it leave people stuck or, or some people stuck, unable to change gear? That is another interview and another whole line of thinking and questioning. Um, Guy, thank you for joining us. I, I take it you don't anticipate being the New Zealander, the Kiwi Bank New Zealander of the year anytime soon. <laughs> I'd vote for you. <laughs> when I meet people, sometimes they say, you know, I introduce myself. I say, I'm notorious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe if you um, change the color of your hair or something. <laughs> Go red. Uh, thank you for, for catching up with us and we'll talk again. Great to talk with you, Paul. You take care. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.